You know, Pastor Jake was really funny when he called me out last week about my message that I am to preach to you today. It's about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and it's not typically preached often as it should. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, I wasn't really excited about preaching about a eunuch, but <laughs> the Lord always has a way of refocusing one's call on one's life. And we sat together as staff and we discussed uh, what our passages was, was going to be early spring, and I was just praying, please be chapter 9, please be chapter 9, because what preacher doesn't want to preach Acts chapter 9? And if you don't know Acts chapter 9, it is the scene of Saul, who later becomes Paul, and he's on the Damascus Road when the Lord's dramatic intervention uh, takes play, and it shocks him to his knees, and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I so wanted that. But <laughs> I get the opportunity to share a very important message and passage for the cause of our mission, our mission of Christianity as a whole, uh, and in part here, our mission at PFN. So if you don't have it already, your word, Acts chapter 8, we're going to open up to uh, Acts chapter 8. But first, we're going to start with Matthew 28. It's the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so, so far we've witnessed the illustration of God's uh, saving grace at work among the nations in Acts, and we pick up back in chapter uh, 8, and we're going to finish that up, and we will come to know a man named Philip, who we've mentioned before. And Philip is not just a disciple, it was not a disciple of Jesus, but he was a sub-council of the disciples. He was an ordinary man that was chosen out of the seven to, that cared for the widows. And remember, he's a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And he did some miraculous things earlier in the chapter. He healed people and he casted out demons earlier in the chapter. And we see him willingly serve without receiving a title or a position. And he never minced words with the disciples over who was getting what. That never took place. He was actively and effectively speaking and preaching the gospel and people listened. And God used Philip to do something extraordinarily uh, amazing. And I believe that God will do it again here at PFN. And I believe for it. Do you believe for that? Now, uh, if you've watched the last few services, um, we're leading up to chapter 8 now, or leading, finishing chapter 8. And if you haven't had a chance, you can watch uh, our services on YouTube. We have it on our website. We have them archived um, on social media as well. So you can watch our services the last couple of weeks. Um, so here we go. Since the beginning of Acts, there was a continual gathering and multiplying of the believers. And now we pick up the scattering of these believers. And Philip and many others are now scattered, not out of fear, perhaps a little bit, but out of mission. They're now beginning to share the gospel in an exponential way. And we find Philip in the Ethiopian desert. This was considered the ends of the earth by Greeks and Romans, and he's been led there by the Spirit of God. And where we begin is exactly where Pastor Jake left off. Chapter 8, uh, verse 26. You have the passage on your notes, and I would love for you to read them with me. 
Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go to Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started on his way, and he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candake. So here's, here's where we're going to pause. What is a eunuch? For those that don't know what a eunuch is, they were emasculated men that were deprived from sexual desires by the removal of said this is typical for the sole purpose to show complete and utter expectation devotion of duty to royal officials. They were always placed in high positions and they were considered to be extremely trustworthy because of the lack of their sexual organs. Due in part, temptation and sexual sin was not considered to be a concern for their employers. So for kids and teens in this room, um, you would probably relate this to the character Chifu from Mulan. Does anybody know who Chifu from Mulan is? He was a eunuch. He was a squirrely little guy that had all that attitude. So the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he's on his way back home, and he's in the chariot, and he's reading the book of Isaiah, and he says to uh, Philip, um, or Philip, the spirit says to Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? And Philip said, or Philip asked, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in his chariot. And the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shears in silence. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived from justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, please tell me, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. There are two roads in life, a road to understanding and belief and a road to misunderstanding and unbelief. As the old saying goes, all roads lead to Rome. I would have to disagree with that statement that there are two roads, but Jesus put it this way, enter, the, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter that. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it. Which road will you choose, life or destruction? The road to sincerity is a fine-looking road, but it doesn't give us eternal life. You could be perfectly sincere and still be going to hell. You could be a really good person, doing all the good things, all the right things for God, but still be so far from him. 
Jesus didn't say, except the man be good and sincere, then he shall access, be granted access to heaven. Jesus said, unless you be converted, then you shall not enter heaven. So here in our beautiful country, resting high on the Rocky Mountains, is the great continental divide. If a raindrop were to fall from the sky and land west of the Rockies, it would sure to be landing in the Pacific Ocean. If it were to land, fall from, fall from the, um, the sky east of the Rockies, it would for sure land in the Atlantic or the Gulf of Mexico. The destiny of that raindrop is determined by distance of a few inches and the wind playing a factor of its direction. It doesn't have a preference. It doesn't have a choice. It has no will. It has no power of which way it ought to go. It doesn't determine the gate or the path. But man, however, we get to choose. We have free will. We get to choose life or death. We have a God-given ability to understand what is right and what is wrong, what is sin and what is salvation. Which road will you take today? And for you just being here today, whether online, good morning, or in person, I've been led to believe that you understand the things of God, or you want to understand more. And you are very similar to the Ethiopian man. You are choosing to understand the things of Christ. I've been led to believe that someone was a messenger of the good news to you at some point in your life. You didn't just wake up this morning and think, hmm, I, I think I ought to be saved. I ought to have a, a divine deity lord over my life. Someone shared that with you, that divine truth that you now acquire. You didn't think of it on your own. And Paul says in Ephesians, so that you cannot boast of yourself. A messenger found you. And that is what I love about this passage. See, Philip went from the masses to one. He went from crowds of people to one. He listened to the spirit and he obeyed and he found himself in the desert on a busy road. So we'll pick back up on this road. The road from Jerusalem to Gaza was a very busy avenue, if you will, and it was connected to many cities and towns just along the Mediterranean Sea, and there were many travelers and messengers going from place to place. So it's no different from today. We're going from place to place and are constant, constantly busy moving from one thing to the next, and we find ourselves on the road of life meeting people along the way, and what message are we sharing? Are we sharing the message of salvation and of hope? Who is the spirit sending you today? Be God's messenger. He will use you. The spirit of God will guide you and it will direct you. So who is your one? Who are you discipling? Who's discipling you? So a disciple is someone who follows the teaching and the life and the study of Christ, of Jesus, and discipleship is the process of that. It's becoming more like Christ. Philip was discipling a hungry man. The eunuch was searching through scriptures, and he was hungry for the word and needed to understand it. And Philip fed him and became the eunuch's interpreting guide for scripture. Our friend Molly from Uganda, he said to me the other day, we ought to stay hungry for the word. Amen. We ought to stay hungry for the word, and that's a good word, and I need a drink of water. 
When we stay hungry for the word, it's not only in our hearts, but it's also on our lips. And we didn't experience what Philip experienced in in Acts with the disciples or as he traveled along the road. But we have the word and we get to live out in obedience what the spirit is calling us to do. Exactly what Philip did. So God will maximize the gift of the spirit within us just like he did with Philip. Just like he did with Stephen and all the disciples. Because he wants everyone to know about him. Do you believe for that? I do. I've said so many times that we must be a people open and, and sensitive to the Spirit. Because it's always speaking. It's always directing. It's always wooing us. It's always leading us, drawing us into pathways of connections and relationships. That's discipleship. That is the mission of Christ. That's what it's all about, discipleship to follow him and to know him. Christianity is not about leaving people out, but leading people in on a journey. And Philip takes the eunuch on a journey, a pathway, if you will, of who Jesus was. He gets to know him by spending time with him in the chariot. He values him by engaging with him. Maybe he's asking him questions, allowing him to think and to ponder what the prophet Isaiah was prophesying about, why it was important to know Jesus and that he was the sacrificial lamb. Philip empowers him and gives him a greater purpose. And this is a very important note to remember. Philip never mentioned that he had a power of the Holy Spirit and could heal people. He never, he never mentioned himself. He continued to point it back to Jesus, that Jesus had that power. The eunuch encountered such a tremendous transformation that he more than likely went back and converted the queen. And that is the pathway of discipleship. A discipleship pathway is for everyone. It's for eunuchs, it's for queens, it's for men, it's for women, it's for everyone. It's for you, it's for me. And I pray that God does the same here. I pray that each week that we encounter the spirit in such a powerful way, that it leads us to reach new people every single week, and not just on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, that it moves us in such a way that when it speaks, we listen and we go. Ultimately, people want to be known, they want to be valued, they want to be purposed. And we, the body of believers, we get to play an active role in that part. Don't you believe that? We get to play an active role in that part. So we go to the road, we go to the desert, we go to the chariots, and we share the hope of salvation because of our core values, because of our mission, because of our vision, known, valued, and purposed. We are an open door to know Jesus, that we value others and we find purpose, a greater purpose. Here we create environments where people are consistently experiencing God to reach their full potential in Christ. Do you believe that? That's the question. Do you believe that? I do. I've heard of so many stories from this church, from so many people, that they have found someone or someone found them, and they shared a story of what God was doing in their life, and they were ready, they were on fire, and they were activated. Just ordinary people like Philip. Remember, Philip was not a disciple. He was just some guy that was chosen. And I think of people that were chosen here, like Margie Cobb or John Sherwood or Patsy Heath. 
or Tori Stevens. They were ready to share the hope of salvation to so many people that those people came here. They were like the Ethiopian eunuch. They wanted to know more, and they came. So always be ready. Believe for it. Found people, find people. That's my personal belief. That's the mission statement for women's ministry. I believe that when you're found in Christ that you find others because he found you. You find others that need to know him the way that you do, and you actively participate one-on-one discipleship with him. Always be ready. So Philip, he went from the masses to one. Who's your one? Here's a better question. Do you want to find one? Do you want to find one that you can connect with? Who needs to know Jesus at your place of employment? Who needs to know Jesus at the restaurant that you frequently attend or the classes that you're in? Who's your one? And you're probably thinking, you know, I'm really scared and I'm really nervous and I don't know how to do that. And um, what if they think I'm crazy? I can't talk about Jesus at work. I can't open up my Bible in, in school or in class. Or I just don't know what to say. It's going to be really awkward. And it is. It is super awkward. But you can do it. I want to read this passage. It's in 1 Corinthians. For the message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved by the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. For where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God through the through, since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demanded signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. That's a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But, those, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. That's in 1 Corinthians. What that is essentially saying is that you will probably sound crazy for a fact. You will probably sound crazy, but it's okay because God has given you a wisdom that the wise can't and won't understand because it's a mystery. It's not a brain issue. It's a heart issue. And God doesn't qualify you on your brains. He doesn't call the qualified or the equipped. He qualifies and he equips you to do his will. And God doesn't necessarily care if you hold a doctorate in psychological psychology In fact, he may not want you to know everything of the theories of humanity. He holds that power. And if you're a doctor in psychology, please know that that was just for an illustration. Okay? God loves you. And because because of who you are, 
you know that I was only using that for an illustration because that's what you do. The word, this thing, is not for smarty pants. It's not only for the wise. And thank the Lord that it's not. It is for me. It is for us. Romans 16 says this, all of our praise rises to the one who is strong enough to make you strong, exactly as preached in Christ Jesus, precisely as revealed in the mystery that was kept secret for long ago, but now an open book through the scriptures of prophecy. All the nations of the world can now know the truth and be brought into an obedient belief, carrying out the orders of God, who got it started down to the very last letter, which is Revelations. The eunuch opened up the word and didn't understand it, and someone sat with him and discipled him, and they were able to speak about the wonders of God and what he was doing on a chariot. We can do that at Starbucks. You can do it, and you must do it. The eunuch wanted to understand the prophecy of Scripture, and he was confused about who it was. And here Philip shares what it was indeed. It was Jesus and what Jesus did for him. There's a lot of people in this world that are confused, and they're seeking the truth. And we know it, and we have it. And we have it because we know the truth. We know Jesus. And we have a very specific and a unique opportunity to share Jesus with people at such a critical time in our lifetime. The world is changing rapidly and people are in desperate, desperate need of salvation. They're in desperate need of what grace is, what love looks like, and we have to get off our donkeys and do something about it. We can't talk about it anymore. We must be a people of action. We can't ride the comfort wave anymore. We must find our one, share the hope of salvation with them, and share with them the new identity in Christ. And wouldn't it be amazing to see people come to Christ because of the influence that you have on their life, that there's an outward sign of it, and we celebrate that here with baptism. Baptism signifies the death and the resurrection of Jesus. In this journey of life, baptism is one of the areas that we get to identify with Christ in the most celebratory way. In Romans 6, it says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a, lot, a new life. It's a covenantal act that we take part in together as a body of believers. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward declaration that you've made a decision to follow Christ. And maybe you haven't made that decision yet for your journey, but I urge you, today, decide. Decide today that you are making that decision. Will you plunge into the holy waters and be set free? Wouldn't it be amazing to see the folks that you had influence on come and make that decision, make that declaration of, I once was, but now I am? set free, changed, and restored, alive? How awesome would that be if this house was packed with people 
that just could not wait to jump into the waters. That they're saying, stop talking, stop talking, I just want to get in that water. I want the old gone and I want a new life. We want to make that such a celebration here for those that are going to make that decision. And we've set a date for it, and I'm so excited. Please share it with your friends and your family of this celebration. Honestly, I get so giddy over baptisms. I bawl like someone's dying because they are. They're dying. The old is gone, and I celebrate with them that the new life has come, and it's established, and it's the best decision that I have ever made. And would you make that decision today? Online, would you make that decision today? You're included in this too. Would you please mark your communication card this morning? Online, please comment and let us know if you want to make that decision, if you've made the decision to follow Christ and your next step is baptism, and you want to have that outward declaration of that sign. We'd love to follow up with you. I want to finish with this passage that um, I shouldn't say stumbled on, but it just it, it made the message because I believe for it. This is in Revelations. It's Revelation 7, and it's verse 9, and it begins, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one can count. From every nation, every tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to God, who sits at the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders, and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their face before the throne, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory, and the wisdom and the thanks and the honor and the strength and the power to be to our God forever and ever. Amen. I believe for that. I believe for it. Do you believe for it? As we close, let us celebrate what, is, what God is doing, what he has done, what he is doing, what he will continue to do. And we're going to sing a song, Do You Believe For It?
you believe for it? Do you believe for it that he can move the mountains, that he can break the chains? I believe for it. I believe for it for, for our people. And maybe that's so personal, but I believe that God is going to do that with us as we move forward and what it looks like for the next couple of weeks. I believe that God is going to use you as a Philip, that there's going to be a eunuch. There's going to be someone that's going to say, hey, I need to understand something a little bit more. And God's going to give you the power to share the gospel in a most tangible way. And I believe for that. Trust in him. We trust in him. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. We're going to take our morning tithes and offering and our response for, for today. Uh, mark your con- communication card um, with, with, um, with a pen. Mark your communication card uh, where y- the areas that you want to serve, um, the areas that you want to respond to, the baptism, and who's your one. Will you be finding one this week? Would you find one today? Maybe that person is here today, and so I'm just praying for that. Uh, we'll go ahead and move forward, and we can pass out our, our um, baskets for our offering and our tithes and our communication cards, and let us just pray. Father God, we believe for it. Lord, I trust you. I believe in you, and I know that you are going to do greater things with us. You're going to do greater things with this church, with the body of people that you have, Lord. Your children are so expectant, uh, full of faith and full of spirit to do your will, Lord. And we love you so very much. Use us today. Let us be the Philip if there's a eunuch that needs to know more information about who you are and who the son is. Let us be the hope um, that they need for the day to share the hope of salvation. And Lord, we're just thankful that there's people that are going to take the next step of saying, I declare I want to have an outward expression of what you're doing in my life through baptism, that the old is gone and the new has come. Lord, we thank you for bringing us here safely today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this message. Uh, We believe that you are doing great things now and that you will continue to do greater things with us. In your name we pray, amen.